You're listening to the Evanston Bible Fellowship Podcast. EBF is a community of sojourners empowering one another to cultivate gospel transformation. To learn more about our church, visit ebfchurch.org. Today's passage is taken from Psalm uh, 136. Um, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sihon, son of, uh, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our low estate and rescued us from our foes, he who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the Lord, the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Jeff, Lydia, and for our worship, leading worship this morning, and Hannah for leading our children's moment. Um, just to get this out of the way, if you were actually looking at your Bible, you noticed that uh, Nancy left out uh, pretty much half of the psalm, that it's very intentional. Um, we will kind of get to that. Um, I've Uh, made a point that I want to really look at the history that the psalm shows us and then really spend concerted time on the phrase for his steadfast love endures forever. So I just want to get that out of the way that, yes, it was very intentional that she did that. Um, Would you just pray with me as we enter into our time in the Word? Heavenly Father, we come to you and lift your name high today. Your name is far above any name that we could say, anything we could do, any idol we could worship. And so we come before you and give praise to you. We come before you knowing that we need to hear from you today. And Lord, we just ask that in your word you would speak to us, um, that even though my words fail oftentimes, that we know your word is true. So would you bring clarity um, when my words do fail, and would you open our ears to hear what you have to say, our eyes to see 
what you are doing in our lives. It's by your son, Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. Um, if I have not had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Brady Richards. I am one of the elders here at Evanston Bible Fellowship. Our lead pastor, Tim Allen, has been on a bit of a vacation, and uh, so we've been taking a small break in our sermon series from First Peter. Uh, we'll get back there next week. Uh, but Tim, in his absence, gave both uh, Ben Mangrich and I a week to reflect and preach on a passage that God has put on our hearts. Last week, if you were here, Ben shared a question that has been on his mind, especially in the last year, which was, what does it mean to be a Christian, especially in this day and age? We answered that by looking at the great commandment from Mark 12, where a scribe asked Jesus a question on the law, asking, what is the great commandment? And he answers, uh, Jesus answers this, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. Ben summed that up in this way, basically, love God and love people. Christians are those that know about God, worship him, obey him, and are in relationship with him. We love those close to us and those not close to us by living selflessly and generously just as Jesus did for us. For today then, um, in my chance to share what's been on our heart, um, we didn't coordinate this, but we're seeming to continue on the theme of love. Um, but we're really looking at it from kind of the other perspective. God's steadfast love for us through Psalm 136. The past uh, eight months or so, I have spent most days reading each of the Psalms. There's 150 in total. Um, that rhythm slowed down quite a bit when I got to Psalm 119. If you don't know, it's the longest psalm, I think, also the longest chapter in the whole book of the Bible. It's an acrostic poem where each set of eight verses starts with a different Hebrew letter in succession. And so that slowed down to basically about uh, a set of eight verses every day. And then afterwards, you get to the Song of Ascent, which are Psalm 120 through 134. And then there's, uh, I heard about a book by Eugene Peterson called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, which is his commentary on those psalms. So I decided, hey, I'll read that in tandem. And then that slowed down to like two or three uh, days for each psalm. And then finally, eventually, after eight or nine months, I got through all of the psalms. Yes, I, I, I made it. Um, but uh, as I was kind of reflecting on today, I, I thought that I kind of really wanted to share almost like a survey of the psalms or an overview of all of them. You know, they're all so beautiful and they express all these different emotions and stories. Um, but I, I kind of realized that that was too mammoth a task for me, a little bit above my personal pay grade uh, and maybe a, a little bit more time uh, needed for that than we have today. So I was really asking God, what have you been teaching through this, um, or what at least have you been trying to teach? 
uh, what would be profitable for your people to hear today. And of course, we all know that all scripture is profitable, breathed out by God. But when considering a world that's been through, is still going through a pandemic, uh, contentious elections, not just even here in America, social unrest, injustice, corruption, I mean, you name it, in the church, big C and little c, fighting, division, hurt, pain, experiencing the distance of community that this last year has kind of brought, uh, and even personally in myself, just discontentedness and uh, sadly, pretty much all areas of life, uh, uh, frustration at the sin that still seems to, you know, cling so closely I'm in myself and others, and even just the mental, spiritual, physical, emotional battles that just seem constant for some reason. God, what do you have to say? What have you been saying? And so the Lord kindly reminded me of this psalm, Psalm 136, titled, His Steadfast Love Endures Forever. In this psalm, you will see that through God's own character, his acts of wonder and creation, the redemption of Israel, being with them in battle, giving them a land, and the actualization of God's love, ultimately to the dissension of himself on earth in Jesus Christ, that the Lord's past mercies and his covenantal faithfulness to Israel doesn't just stay in the past, They actually crescendo towards Christ, then reverberating and resounding through God's continued work in the Spirit and through the lips of those that believe in him today and towards forevermore. So to get us there, to help us see and hear what the Lord is actually saying, we're we're just going to ask and answer three basic questions. Three basic questions. What is the context and content of the psalm? What does his steadfast love endures forever mean? And then what does this psalm mean for us today? So what is the content and uh, context and content of the psalm? What does his steadfast love forever mean? And what does this psalm mean for us today? So, Let's turn, what is the context and the content of Psalm 136? So the context. Um, In Jewish tradition, this psalm was called the great halal, or the great psalm of praise, recanting the story of Israel. Uh, Potentially, it was used for Sabbath or Passover or the harvest festival, uh, but the exact purpose and the author aren't known or clearly stated here in the psalm like it uh, is in so many different psalms. Um, And also, unlike many psalms of praise that are throughout the book of Psalms, Psalm 136 doesn't say the word hallelujah outright, but it is implied uh, as, excuse me, um, because it's implied by and the only Psalm 2 have a constant call and response refrain of for his steadfast love endures forever through all 26 verses. Um, Psalm 118 actually includes the same refrain repeated only five times, though um, this psalm was likely used for public worship then between a 
cantor or a chorus and then a congregation that would respond. A mass, then, of God's people in the temple and a priest would call out a reason to give thanks and the people would respond. The refrain, for his steadfast love endures forever. This phrase had been accompanied in the singing at the dedication of, the, of Solomon's temple in 2 Chronicles 7. It was also sung when the Lord delivered Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. Ezra 3.11 even seems to show that the phrase was a common encouragement as a part of responsive singing. Uh, Ezra 3 says, 11 says, And they sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever towards Israel. These are uh, a few of, uh, of many examples of that phrase particularly appearing throughout Scripture. So what this does is this gives us the picture that this psalm, or at least uh, the phrase, the refrain, is one that was commonly on the lips of the people. So that was the context, a little bit of context. Now let's turn to the content of the actual psalm. As we turn to the text um, today, we see five distinct sections within the text, basically a history lesson. Overall reasons, five overall reasons that the people are called to give thanks to God. God's character, creation, Israel's redemption, the fulfillment of the land promise, and the actualization of God's love. God's character, creation, Israel's redemption, the fulfillment of the land promise, and the actualization of God's love. So let's turn back, if you will, and look at verses 1 through 3, where we'll see God's character in a almost call to worship to the Lord. So verse 1 through 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Giving thanks, give thanks, continues throughout the song in an implied fashion before each verse. Um, It truly means to confess or to acknowledge, calling the people to a thoughtful, grateful worship, spelling out what they know or they have found of God's glory and his deeds. So we give thanks to the Lord Yahweh um, for he is good. That's the first uh, call to give thanks. This repeats verbatim in Psalm 107 and 118. Israel's God, Yahweh, is good, um, which is the Hebrew word tobi, meaning good or kind. He is, he is kind to his people. And later, in two, verses 2 and 3, he is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. While the people, and even in today's children's message, um, which is amazingly connected, um, while the people and surrounding nations uh, often decided to worship other kings or other idols or other gods, Yahweh here is the one true God. He is the God of gods, the Lord of lords. 
Deuteronomy 10, 17 says it this way, for the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality and accepts no bribes. Paul says it even in the New Testament this way in 1 Corinthians 8. He says, for although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist. And one God, Lord Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Another great passage uh, on this is Ephesians 1, 19 through 22. I won't read it, but basically we see that God is before all things and above all things. He is mighty and awesome. He is the God of gods, Lord of lords, in heaven and on earth, yet he is kind of heart. So God's character then flows directly into creation in verses 4 through 9. So let's now read verses 4 through 9. To him alone, to, sorry, to him who alone does great wonders, to him by, who by understanding made the heavens, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun to rule over the day, the moon and stars to rule over the night. Basically here, a summation of Genesis 1 through 2, the people are now called to turn and give thanks to Yahweh who alone does great wonders. Alone being that he did so uniquely in comparison to other lifeless gods of the nations, as we just talked about. Psalm, the psalm before this, Psalm 135, says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is their breath in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. So it is God Yahweh alone who has the power and might to do these great things, these great wonders or miracles, um, particularly here, his acts of creation, right? Making the heavens, spreading out the earth, literally kind of uh, the languages laying them out, laying out the earth above the waters, making the lights, the sun, moon, stars, um, Psalm 19 says it this way, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. And so we also see here that in creation, it, we see that it is by his understanding that he actually did it. He alone is the one who has the craftiness, the, the knowledge, the wisdom, the skill to actually make all these things and have them work together. And so Derek Kinder says, the psalm invites the Christian not to wrangle over cosmological theories, but to delight in God's environment, known to him as no mere mechanism, but as a work of steadfast love. So Yahweh 
the kind, mighty God created a way for people to know him. So now, from the cosmological wonders of creation, then, we go to see him entering into creation through Israel's redemption in verses 10 through 16. So verse 10 through 16. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, to him who divided the Red Sea in two, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, to him who led his people through the wilderness. Now we're retelling the narrative of Exodus 1 through 15 and Numbers 1 through 20. The creator of the universe is the same God who descends to save his people. Yahweh had Moses lead the people of Israel and speak to the Pharaoh of Egypt to let them go. Moses warned uh, him of plague after plague, ten in total, the last of them instituting the Passover where the angel of death would pass over the land, striking down, as this says, taking the lives of all the firstborn sons of Egypt, um, at least of those that didn't cover their doorpost with lamb's blood. Um, Of course, Pharaoh, not believing in this, God, um, wanting to keep the people, had his own son killed, he finally heeds the call of God and lets the Israelites go. Of course, then to only chase after them later at the Red Sea, God continues to uh, use Moses then to miraculously divide uh, the Red Sea. Um, Language here is like actually split in two, hewed or like chopping a piece of wood with an axe. Um, Uh, so that the people then could walk across dry land. Then, uh, as Pharaoh and his men come along to try to to chase them and kill them, uh, he lets the waters crash down, killing Pharaoh and all of his men. The language is literally, he shook them off. And then, after uh, this resounding work, Um, The people are led in the wilderness for 40 years to the land of Canaan, the promised land, all the while he provided them food and shelter along the way. As this psalm says, a pretty gruesome story when you think about it, and sometimes leaves one wondering, couldn't there have been an easier way? Um, But amidst all the turmoil and death and sickness and fear, it says he brought Israel out. He made Israel pass through. He led his people. The kind, mighty, creative God also freed them, refined them, protected them, and guided them. He redeemed his people. After bringing his people out then, we then see the fulfillment of the land promise in verses 17 through 22. Verses 17 through 22. To him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings, Sion, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, a heritage to Israel, his servant. Again, overviewing quite a lot of history here, Numbers 21 and 34 and 35, again, God is striking down other nations 
um, in doing so, that continues to testify to the Lord's love for his people. It, it shows here the picture of the Lord as a mighty warrior who fights on behalf of his people. The Lord of lords, the King of kings. Both um, Sion and Og were actually um, just the first two of many kings to be overthrown. Um, they had attacked Israel along the way in spite of uh, the Israelites' promise to go through their land uh, peacefully. Um, this was the land of, of Canaan, which God eventually gives to Israel, and it was a land that was unlike many other lands where you know one area of land might have one king. Canaan had 30 or more um, and not only were they great in number, but they were great in stature. At least um, Sion and Og were of the giant's race. So we see that um, you know, the Israelites, uh, the weakest and the least of all peoples, as Scripture says, um, just freed from Egypt um, in a very weak and humble state to face many great and mighty peoples, but... God was faithful and his mercy to them was to prove himself true to his promise. Um, it's a promise he made Abraham in Genesis 15 um, uh, to give them a land. And after winning many battles, he was faithful to that promise. He gave them a heritage or a possession of their own. So God redeemed. He was their strength in battle and he was ultimately faithful to his promise. And now, in the fifth section, you're enduring with me quite well, the closing of the psalm now turns from the narrative back towards a almost benediction-like ending with a summarization of what is the actualization of God's love in verses 23 through 26, where it says, it is he who remembered us in our low estate and rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. So now, here, God's people include themselves, not just their ancestors, as recipients of God's enduring love. It's, uh, you can see it evidenced by the first-person plural, us, instead of the third person, his people, or Israel. The psalmist invites them in to the story. Um, Leslie Allen puts it this way, bringing the present generation face-to-face -face with a once-for-all theological past. He remembered them even in their humbled condition, because of his covenantal faithfulness to his promises. He rescued them or freed them. As we saw, um, this is really aggressive language. The Hebrew word actually describes it in the way of breaking the yoke off of a neck or a lion with a prey in its mouth. He released them from the clutches of kings and evil men and he gives food to all flesh while particularly here referencing the time their time in the wilderness um, it is more he cares for the uh, he cares and nourishes the nations to all flesh which is actually just yet again 
a covenantal faithfulness. Um, He made the promise with Noah in Genesis 9 that he would not, after the flood, that he would not destroy again all flesh, but he instead cares for it. Then, all turning back to one final call to give thanks to the God of heaven, expanding back the view of God to the cosmic realities that God is the God of earth and of heaven, reigning the physical and the spiritual realities. Um, Matyar says this, uh, we marvel at the condescension of his choice and eat our daily bread, looking with gratitude to the hands that feed us, the love that endures forever. So many things here for the people of Israel to be grateful for. Some even reasons which involved much pain, much frustration, I'm sure confusion as well, but the psalm focuses its context and its content on God's character, his acts of creation, his redemption of Israel, his fulfillment of the land promise, and ultimately the actualization of his love. So that's the content, the context and content. But, of course, we've left out half of the whole psalm. The other half being the repeated phrase, for his steadfast love endures forever. So what does that phrase mean? For his steadfast love endures forever. The Hebrew is, ki le'olam chasdo. Literally, for forever his mercy The Lord's covenant faithfulness or his, his loyal love. Um, in the ESV here, it's translated steadfast love. This is what he demonstrates through all of these actions, all of these great acts for his people. This psalm then is an illustrative definition of the Lord's love, more than a feeling. His love is commitment to his people to fulfill the promises he has made. Not because of their own merit or worth, but his. It is that loving mercy, that loving kindness that endures. His steadfast love endures. You can see all the events and miraculous works which are great and wondrous in and of themselves, but what is unspoken here is the unnumbered amount of times the people of Israel turned away from him. Yet his love endured for them. Beyond their golden calves, beyond their complaint, beyond their bitterness, beyond their demands. What mattered was he was their God, their King, their Lord. So he endured through history to bring about a land, a people, and ultimately through that people, a Savior. Of course, it's easy to see that the the narrative, that the psalm doesn't mention Jesus Christ directly, 
but it would be hard to leave out that ultimate act of God's grace and mercy. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 um, says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So with Christ in in full view, it is that loving kindness that continues to endure forever to an eternity in heaven where those who choose him and he chose we won't get into that uh, theological argument but we'll tell him of his goodness forever those whom trust him and will tell him confess of his goodness for his steadfast love endures forever so what does this psalm mean for us today I will be honest with you that I, I wrestled with the idea of what this psalm was telling us um, because something that so quickly comes to mind is give thanks. Give thanks to God for what he has done. Be, be thankful. And I realize that that can sound so platitudinous given the huge amount of weight and history and the grandeur of who God even is. But when we put it in connection, um, it seems fitting. Um, I want to read you Hebrews thirteen fifteen, which says this. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. We no longer need to make the sacrifices so present in the Old Testament to appease for our sins anymore. Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice. He is now our food, our daily bread to uh, to, uh, strengthen our weakened bones. He's the author and perfecter. He's the one that is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and always. He is our strength and song. And so for those that believe in him then all we have to offer because he has the one that's done all the work is a sacrifice of thanksgiving to his name for what he has done what he has brought you and I through I in this act then I I put myself so to speak on the altar to sing with lips that acknowledge the goodness of his name so in a way, I ask you, who are the kings he has slain for you? Where, where are the seas that he has cut open for you? What are the things he has shaken off for you? 
brothers, sisters, um, I, I had a week this past week where I will admit to you that every day was wrought with a general kind of depression or sadness, yet through prayers and supplications of my brothers and sisters and the study of his word, even while I was writing this Friday night, um, I had a sheer moment of just clarity and joy um, at what he was revealing here. And now I know that is only a very personal example, one small mountain tumbled. But it is in these moments that maybe we can't really see his faithfulness that we can read this psalm and know that it is our history and that he is faithful. Just like the people of Israel could sing it as their own, now through Christ, so can we. The psalmist brings us, he includes us in the narrative. He gives us a history through the narrative from Egypt to Canaan to sing with them in every step along the, the journey towards home. Even knowing as the New Testament puts it, as Paul puts it in Romans 8, I'm going to read a long passage, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, excuse me. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Skipping forward, so who will separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Skipping again, no, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we worship him with saints long past and forever to come with lips of praise today. Even here, we practice it in this service, but continually beyond afterwards for how great God's heart is. And it is a heart set on kindness and goodness for us. For his steadfast love endures forever. Ki le'olam chasto. This is the main theme that we sing. This is the song on our hearts and lips in the mundane day-to-day -day facets of life to the thrills of joy and the depths of darkness. His steadfast love endures forever. It can be a phrase that is easy to overlook or lose sight of, especially in this psalm because it's repeated 26 times. Um, you know, personally, I know that I get so, um, 
annoyed with current popular songs and even sometimes some of the worship songs we sing because of the repetitiveness of some of the words. You know, we sing one song called King of My Heart that the chorus just repeats, you are good, good, oh, four times. And I know generally by the last chorus, I'm thinking, all right, I get it. God is good. Let's move on. Um, But even with that being said, Sometimes we have to repeat things to really let them sink in, to wrestle with it. Sometimes, too, I know that for me, there are opposing things that are being repeated in my mind all day, whether that's any sort of deprecation of oneself or... I've got to do this, I need this, I've got my daily schedule, whatever it might be. We have all of these repeated things telling us something about ourselves. But this is one to really let marinate in our lives, to be on our lips. His steadfast love endures forever for you. We can see how the history of this psalm spans ages, yet at every turn, for forever his mercy. So, to practice this, to get us a little bit in the the wheelhouse of what this psalm is calling us to, it's a call and response. So I'm going to invite you to stand and call and respond with me. Um, so would you please stand, and I would, I would ask you to remember as we do this that the psalm invites you into this history. It is ours now as believers in Christ. And remember also, we say this as a people together. You can think of it as you're saying this maybe for yourself, and maybe if you don't believe it, someone else is saying it for you. And even as you repeat the phrase, let the words sink in. Let the truth of it sink in. And if it's uh, another act, is if it's hard, focus on maybe just one different word each time you say it and what it means to keep things fresh. Because his love doesn't stop for you. So I will, I will say a line and you will simply say, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, To him who alone does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. the sun to rule over the day, 
the moon and stars to rule over the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. And overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. And Og, king of Bashan. And gave their land as a heritage. A heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. And rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, man, we, it's hard to really pray anything more than what we have just said to you. We give thanks to you for all that you have done in history forever past, and we know that you will do in history forever forward. Lord, even when my heart so often doesn't want to always feel it and think it, Lord, be with us to remind us of this phrase, to have it be the song on our lips today, if if just today, but hopefully, Lord, forever more to come. Remind us in the moments that we need it most that it is your love that is steadfast for us. And as we continue to go along this world, give us strength and mercy because it's only you that can do it. Lord, we are forever grateful for who you are and what you have done in Jesus Christ. We love you and we lift your name above all names. By your son Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To hear more messages from EBF, subscribe to our podcast. And to find out how to get connected with our church, visit ebfchurch.org.